Welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which is short for Nancy Drew Nickerson, and which, until I started recording this podcast, I did not realize that it sounded like some sort of weird portmanteau for a Ned Nickerson, Indiana Jones smash-up. <laughs> uh, you can find me at the handle Indy Nickerson on Twitter, and you can also find um, Romancing Nancy Drew on Twitter as a handle there as well, which... I'm going to be throwing a lot of Nancy Drew and Ned Nickerson stuff up there because Indy Nickerson has turned into just everything, but Romancing Nancy Drew can be the home for all of my Nancy and Ned musings. Yes, finally. Finally, a place on the internet where I can just talk about Nancy and Ned all day, like I use every other place on the internet for. Today's episode is going to be about Nancy's Mysterious Letter, which is the eighth book in the series, and it directly follows The Clue in the Diary, which is, they were both um, published in 1932. Um, honestly, I started reading Nancy Drew books when I was eight years old, um, and I was reading the revised version. So I was reading the Yellow Spine revised versions, and those are post-1959. So 1932, I did not even know these existed until I got the Nancy Drew scrapbook when I was like 11, and it was like, Look, all sorts of things you never knew about Nancy Drew, like the fact that they started being published in 1930, and also that Pamela Sue Martin, who played Nancy Drew in the 1970s TV series, along with the Hardy Boys, posed nude for Playboy. And I was like, everything about my world is shattered now. But anyway, so I did not even know about the original versions until then. And according to everything that everyone ever says about them, the reasons that they were revised was A, ice boxes. Like, there's a lot of stuff that if you're reading it in, like, 1960, 1970, you're like, what the fuck? And also, the racism. So, we're just going to rip that band-aid off with this one. Um, Clue in the Diary doesn't include that. It's very subtle, the fact that she's just interacting with white people the entire book. I mean, it's, it's not even noticeable. It's not even a thing that she would comment on. But in... Nancy's Mysterious Letter, I was like, I didn't read this book until I was an adult, which it includes a lot of little tidbits that I was like, fuck yeah, like the fact that Nancy goes to Emerson to attend a football game that, of course, Dad is going to kick ass at, just let's just go ahead and own that. And she gets to stay in the Omega Chi Emerson, like the fraternity house. She gets to stay in his fraternity house, like not with his parents, in a guest room. And I was like, when I was reading this as an adult, I was like, this is perfect. Everything about this is fucking perfect as a fanfic setup. So that like Nancy's staying in a guest room and Ned's upstairs and maybe they decide to make some s'mores. I don't know. Anyway, but we'll get to the racism and it's, it's it's that kind of racism that, like, in 1932, I think that it would have been unmentionable, probably. I mean, it's when you're reading it in 2020, you're like, oh, shit. But at the time, like, it's kind of like when you're watching Bad Bit and you're like, oh, my God, he is legit putting on blackface. Like, fucking hell. Like, it's, yeah. We'll get to it. Uh, Nancy's Mysterious Letter has two plots. The first one is, of course, Nancy's Mysterious Letter, which once you read it, you're like, okay, it's not actually that mysterious. Like, it's, it's pretty clear what's going on here. It's just that Nancy decides to take on the mystery that is implicit within the letter. And the other one is the fact that the U.S. Postal Service is possibly run by dicks. So anyway, we'll start off with the A-plot. Nancy and her friends are just getting back from a farm that they have raided. So it's, it's like a farmer's market, but just personalized shopping in a farmer's market where they've got like a legit orchard in the back of their fucking car. 
So they bring in the groceries and Hannah's like, fuck yeah, we're having apple turnovers all day long for the next four weeks. So it's fine. But, um, she's also got some mail for Nancy, of course, because this is a story that is all about some mail. And the fun thing is that like in most books, she doesn't get any mail. It's fine. It's unobjectionable. Anyway, so Hannah's like, yeah, you got some mail. And, and then the post office person is walking up the steps and his name is Ira Dixon. And he is a fine looking older man. He has got white hair and he is just, you know, the kind of guy that you're like, he probably carries butterscotch discs in his pockets for small children. And he walks up and Nancy's like, hey, so you're retiring in like three days. And everybody who has ever seen a cop movie is like, oh, fuck, he's going to get shot because, oh, my God. Um, So, but I was like, yeah, I've been working for the Postal Service for like 35 years and I've been doing a kick-ass job and I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm going to retire on my pension and I'm going to raise some guinea pigs. And Nancy's like... Of course you are. That's a logical thing for something somebody to do in 1932. That's cool. So he puts down his, he, he hands Nancy her mail, and she's like, oh my god, I've look at all this mail. I'm just swimming in mail. This is fantastic. Nothing from Publishers Clearinghouse. All of this looks legit. Would you like some cocoa? And Ira Dixon is like, you know what? I would like some fucking cocoa. It is cold out here, and yes. So even though it is apparently against post office regulations for a postal carrier to enter the house of anyone he's delivering mail to, which I'm like, under all circumstances? What if he is bitten by a dog? But anyway, um, he comes inside, and he has a cup of cocoa, and he's talking to Nancy and her friends, and everything's doing great. And then he looks outside, and he's like, oh my fucking God, where is my mail bag? And Nancy's like... Maybe you brought... No, you didn't bring it in here. Fuck. His mailbag is gone. And Ira Dixon immediately is like, fucking hell. Like, they are going to fire my ass and I am not going to get a pension. And, like, the poor guy is just, like, tears are in his eyes. And Nancy's like, the... no, no, honey, 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 it's my fault. It's... I'm I'm so sorry. It's my... F- Look, let me let me take you to the post office and we will explain this. And it, it wasn't your fault. Like shit. So she puts him in the car and he's like, fuck, fuck. Um, he was also telling Nancy about his, now here's the thing. He refers to him as like his brother or his half brother, but the text kind of makes him sound like this not even like related step cousin where they got no blood in common, but he just kind of refers to him as like this weird. Anyway, his name is Edgar and he is a wholehearted dick, like just, just all over the place. He's like, I was like, he is fine to the ladies. And Nancy's like, sure he is, honey. That's cool. Um, but he's always, like, been the spoiled brat of the family. So Ira Dixon had found, you know, he's getting his pension. He's getting this very small inheritance and for his guinea pigs. Of, I, I have so many follow-up questions, and none of them are answered. It's fine. Um, but... Edgar has apparently been trying to hit Ira up for his inheritance, like getting some small portion of it because he's like, I didn't get any and I deserve some. And Ira's like, I mean, maybe. And Nancy's like, no, fuck no, no, don't give him any. No, you have, you have that, you have those guinea pigs to think of. And Ira's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So anyway, Nancy goes into the post office. The guy who is named Cutter, because we, we are not about subtlety in these books. Also, I want to pause here. We will circle back. Um, whenever Nancy gets into her car, it is described as a maroon roadster because let's just back up slightly more. 
This is 1932. Mildred Wart Benson wrote the first seven books in the series. And then for book eight, like she was unavailable or so there was some problem. So they tapped this guy to write the book. And let me tell you that when you know that you're like, of course, of course. First off, you didn't read any part of the Bible that would tell you like that her car is blue. Like her car has always been blue. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's maroon for this book. And I was like, why the, why would you even, what? Anyway, um, but yeah, so Nancy throughout this book, while I am going to portray her the way that I would imagine she would handle things, at all times, she is a lady. And whenever people are being sassy at her, she's like, okay, you just, you do you. Like, she's she's not about to confront people where I'm like, I'm about to throw down on your ass. But anyway, she goes to the postal service, post office with Ira, who is just like cringing and just like devastated by this because... He wasn't at the end of his route. He was near the end of his route, but he wasn't quite at the end of it. And so that mailbag had some fucking mail in it. Like, it's not like, oh, it's just this cute canvas bag that I'm going to find late. No, it's, it had some mail in it. And he knows, you know, who the mail would have been for because he knows where he was on his route. But shit. So Nancy walks in with him. The postal service person, who again is named Cutter, because we're not about subtlety in these books, is putting his coat on. He's about to leave, and he's like, what? And so Nancy walks in with Iris. She's like, hi, um, my name is Nancy Drew, which Cutter apparently, he says he didn't quite catch, but whatever the fuck. So Nancy sits down. She's like, look, Ira came to my house. He delivered some mail, and I, I invited him in for a cup of cocoa, and his mailbag was stolen off my porch. And Cutter's like, fuck you. You, you do not let... In my day, girls did not invite men into their homes to give them cocoa. Like, that was not a thing that happened. What the fuck are you doing? You are making all sorts of bad decisions. And Nancy's like, look, I acknowledge that it was a judgment. It was a lapse in my judgment. I should not have invited him in for cocoa. I should have waited until he was finished with his route. But the mailbag was still, like, he was not involved. I did not steal the mailbag. We do not know where the mailbag is. But I'm just letting you know that, like, I'm, I'm just letting you know the sitch. And Cutter's like... Well, now I have to call the fucking Secret Service, which, side note, I don't even know if that's, like, legit who you would call for this. Like, I was like, maybe the local police officers, but they were like, fuck no, we are escalating this to the fucking Secret Service, which he has on speed dial. Like, he calls, he's like, he calls out to his secretary, which, by the way, every single fucking postal office worker is just out there in the hallway with their ears turned to the door because they're like, I was about to get his ass handed to him and we would like to hear it. Cutter's like, get the Secret Service on the phone. And the assistant, who is a, a male secretary, because again, it's 1932, it's fine, um, is like, okay. And Nancy's like, sure. I mean, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to do everything that I can to track it down. And Cutter's like, you're like 12. What do you mean you're going to do everything you can to track this down? And Nancy's like, my father is Carson Drew. Which, again, like, she's throwing the, the Carson Drew card, as she should. Let's be real here, because he has been a total dick to her. So she's like, yeah, my, my dad is Carson Drew. And Cutter's like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I did not, I'm sorry. And Nancy's like, I told you my name when I walked in. And he's like, I did not catch that. I'm sorry. Like, he had been a full-on dick to her. Like, we're going to prosecute your ass. And then after that, he's like, oh, well, I'm sure this was a misunderstanding. They call in the Secret Service. The Secret Service people just saunter in like five minutes later. And I'm like, were they, were they on a break? What the fuck? Anyway, so they walk in and they're like, okay, give us all the information. And it vanished from your house. Okay, we're going to have to come look at your house. Blah, blah. It's fine. So they do all this. Um, and Nancy's like, Ira, I'm, I'm so fucking sorry. Like, I, I did not mean for any of this to happen. He's like, well, 
I mean, maybe, maybe they'll find it. I don't know. And Izzy's like, do you have anybody who doesn't like you? I'm like, just saying. And I was like, no. He's like, I mean, this is the kind of shit that Edgar would pull, but I'm sure he didn't do it. He's just like a poor misunderstood boy who possibly sets houses on fire. And he doesn't say that, but like, clearly. And Nancy's like, "Uh uh-huh, can you describe him for me? And I was like, he's, he's got black hair. The ladies love him. He's, you know, he's got kind of like a sharp nose. I don't know. He's, he's cute though. He's cute. And Nancy's like, okay, well, um, let me just, let me just take you home and, and we'll get started on this. Meanwhile, she's got this letter that like, she still has not done anything with. So it's a mysterious letter. Have we mentioned that? It's mysterious. So anyway, she gets home and she's got, other than that, she's got another piece of mail as well. But anyway, so she opens up the mysterious letter, which is from England. That is what makes it so mysterious. Nancy's like, I don't know anybody in England, which side note, later on, you find out that her grandmother lives in Scotland. Her great grandmother lives in Scotland. And you're like, so you know somebody who's England adjacent. And also like later on in the series, she knows people on every fucking continent. So it's fine. But anyway, so she opens up the letter and the letter says, hey, we are trying to track down a Nancy S. Drew. And Nancy's like, so I don't have a middle initial, so immediately, no, it's not me. Um, who has uh, just just a bit of an inheritance. We are some British lawyers who are just trying to track down somebody down for some inheritance. Um, we know that she is descended from the this family, and they were estranged and blah, blah. So we're just trying to track her down and just let you know that. So Nancy writes a letter, and she's like, hey, um... I don't know um, this person, but I would be happy to maybe do some poking around. I mean, it's fine. So she gets to go to the post office the next day and mail that, which, of course, awkward sauce because fuck. So um, mm-hmm. there, there's there's a lot of, a lot of shit going on in this book. Anyway, uh, the other letter is from Ned's mom. And Nancy was like, this is unfamiliar handwriting. And then she opens it up and she's like... <gasps> Because Bess and George have been like, "Hey, are you are you gonna go to Emerson for the big game?" And Nancy's like, "I don't I don't know, maybe." They were like, "Is Ned gonna telegraph you some tickets?" And I was like, "I've got some follow up questions. Can you just telegraph somebody the words here is a ticket?" And they're like, "Seems legit. I don't understand." Anyway, it's fine. So Nancy opens the letter and it's from Ned's mom. And Ned's mom is like, "Hey, so um, Ned's father and I are going to be attending the big game, as you may have heard, and we would love to take you with us." We just thought you might enjoy that. Just let us know. Side note, she's never met them. She has never met Ned's parents before. So this is super cute because she gets all like flustered and she's like, I want them to think that I'm a, a good person. So let me let me just write this really cute letter back to them and be like, I would be delighted to ride with you. That sounds fantastic. And anyway, so Ned actually comes by in the book to tell Nancy, like, I'm inviting you to the game. Um you know Helen? And Nancy's like, hell yeah, I know Helen. We've been through some shit. And Ned's like, yeah, she's going to be there. Her boyfriend, Buck Robin's going to be there. He's he's living in my fraternity house. It's fine. It's fine. No no judgment. It's fine. Um, So, like, there'll be people there that you know. My parents are going to drive up, and, and they, they'll be willing to take you. And then Nancy and Nancy's sitting there watching while Ned and her father get into this long, detailed discussion of football, which I followed none of, and neither did Nancy. She was like, yeah, football. And again, male author who was like, you're going to be impressed by hearing about like side wedges and shit. And I'm like, cool. And then they make up like a bunch. I I don't even know. Maybe they're not making up these names of football teams. I'm like, I don't think that's a real thing, but I don't, I don't care. It's fine. 
Anyway, so Emerson's Emerson is not real. Like Emerson's completely fictional within the context of the book. There are other colleges named Emerson, but they are none of these. Um, are going up against state because which state? Fuck you! You don't get to know that because Nancy lives in the vague Midwest, so it's fine. This game is so big, y'all, that they're getting like steamships to go up the river to transport people. Like, I guess because they're going to be blitzed out of their mind and pre-gaming. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's fine. It's just a a big fucking game the week of Thanksgiving. Like, we're going to party and then we're going to go home and eat turkey. I guess. This is 1932. I'm not even sure if turkey was exactly what they would have eaten. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. So Nancy accepts uh, Mr. and Mrs. Nickerson's invitation to go with them. Nancy at one point, because another woman comes by while Nancy's like trying to write a letter and she's just being an abusive bitch to Hannah and we cannot have that. Hannah answers the door and the woman's like, let me talk to Nancy Drew. And Nancy's like, Who, what's what's going on? And Hannah's like, this woman's being a flat out bitch. I don't think you should talk to her. And Nancy's like, mm, I'll, I'll go talk to her. So the woman's like, yeah, I've seen you around town in your car, like, went back in my day. And Nancy's like, this is like the second fucking time somebody has said back in my day to me. Back in my day, girls did not drive around in cars and invite men into their homes for cocoa that they did not know. Like, that was not a thing that we did. And Nancy's like, do you have a point? Because I got shit to do. Like, she says it a lot more politely than I just did because Nancy does not curse in these books. But anyway, and the woman's like, look... My sister-in-law sends me $10 every week, and that money was supposed to be in that letter that I know was in that mailbag, so it is up to you to replace that $10, and Nancy's like, I did not steal the $10. It is not up to me to replace your fucking $10, and the woman's like, well, I'm just saying that a lot of people think that you stole it, and Nancy's like, who do you mean by a lot of people, and she's like, basically me, but I just, I need that $10, all the Nancy Drews I know are just uppity bitches. And Nancy's like, pause. All the Nancy Drews you know. And she's like, I'm not interested in talking about that until I get my $10. And Nancy's like, I see what you're doing here, and I'm going to go along with it. So let me go to the bank and get you $10, and I will bring it by your house. And maybe then you will tell me about this other Nancy Drew that you know. And Mrs. Sheets, which is what her name turns out to be, is like, maybe I will. I don't know. But you better give me that money. And Hannah, like, slams the door after her and she's like, she needed to go to hell, just straight to hell, with no pauses. And Nancy's like, well, $10 is worth it to me if I can track down the heiress. Because she she finds out at one point in the book that we're talking 75 k is the inheritance that she's in for, which is over a million in today's money. So it's not like, oh, it's a silver platter and a $5 bond. Like, no, it's it's over a million dollars that we're talking about here. Uh, when Ned comes by to invite Nancy to the game with his parents, which... Again, like, remember how I said that, like, Ned was basically invited into the family because he was helping clean up dishes? Like, if your first meeting with a guy's parents is, A, you aren't going to be there. Ned's not going to be in the fucking car. B, you've never been with them before. And C, you're on a long fucking road trip because Emerson is not, like, 45 minutes down the road. Like, they're in the car for most of the fucking day. And Nancy's like, I am equal to this challenge. She is 16 years old and she's about to kick your ass. So anyway, so Nancy goes downtown to pick up the $10 and she ends up behind somebody in traffic who who pulls out from a parking spot without looking behind him. And she's sitting there admiring his fucking car, which is a fucking station wagon, like a two-tone fucking station wagon with red wheels. And she's like, that matches the description that it gave me of his family's car. And I was like, first off, 
I have never looked at a station wagon and said, I need to pause for several minutes to admire that shit. Like, that's that's never been a thing that's happened for me, especially not at the age of 16. And again, male writer. And also, like, Ned has taken the time to write a detailed description of his family's car to her because I guess in case he sees she sees him around town, she can be like, oh, yes, I think it is Ned's parents. Let me not flash my ass. I don't know. So, and again, it's what, like Ned's dad is just like, getting out of parking spaces without looking and she's just sitting there like that's a fine ass car though and i'm like so you're saying that ned's dad is a dick driver and he's the one who's gonna be driving it it's fine it's fine no it's fine she also looks at his profile and she's like that is a very ned like profile i think that i have found him she goes to the bank and she accidentally um knocks into somebody because the sun is hitting the the pane of glass at exactly the right angle so she accidentally knocks somebody into somebody who drops their papers and they're like oh you are not looking where you were going back in my day. And Nancy's like, I am fucking... Fa- this is like the third fucking time that somebody has said this shit to me. Look, I did not see you. Shut up. <laughs> so she has to run up to the teller, which, by the way, the, the door... The person manning the door is a black guy who speaks in dialect because... Oh, my God. Anyway, so that's like the first time you run into this in this book where you're like, Oh, shit. Okay. So she runs up and gets a... a Banking crisp new $10 bill so that she can take it to this bitch so that she can get some info. Because, of course, she does. Also, she has spent some time in town. She goes into a department store and is like, she goes up to the hat section and sits down and is like, bring me all your finest hats. Which I was like, I don't even know of a store that exists in 2020 that I could walk in and be like, bring me all your finest hats. And that be a thing that was not that happened like i don't even it's fine so nancy actually she's like well i'm not wearing orange emerson's colors are purple and orange which stays actually consistent throughout the rest of the series which is shocking um nancy's like well i'm not wearing an orange hat because i will look like a fucking pumpkin so let's let's see what we can do here with maybe some purple and orange feathers which again she's gonna be pimping it but it's fine so finally she settles on a hat and she decides to save her feathers because she is a thrifty girl who likes to make sure that she gets all of her money's worth. She, uh, the book even goes to into the detail of telling you that she has a clothing budget, which she has never exceeded in the three years she's had it. And I'm like, since she has been 13 fucking years old, she's had a clothing budget to go to the store with, to buy her stuff with. And if she exceeds it, because it's like, what if she finds a nice raccoon coat? And I'm like, then you're making some bad choices. Um, then she's going to have to, like, make her underwear. And I was like, that's fair. Like, if somebody said, if you need any more than this, then guess what? You get to make your own clothes. And guess what? I'm fucking staying within budget because my clothes would look like absolute shit. But it's fine. Nancy's, of course, would not because she is the best. But anyway, anything you can imagine, she can do that shit. So she has gotten all of her party stuff together to go to Emerson. She is super stoked about this because, again, she gets to see Ned, who... um. He is a sophomore, he has informed us. I don't think that he ever gets beyond a sophomore. I think that maybe by the time of the files, we could possibly pretend that he's a junior in college, but he is never going to graduate because he spends all of his time fucking skipping class so that he can help Nancy out. It's fine. It's fine. That's what he's here for. So, um, when he was talking to Nancy's dad, Nancy's dad is like, I've seen you in the write-ups. You have been doing some quarterbacking. And Ned's like, I mean, just like as a backup. I just, and, and Car- Carson's like, girl, you know you've been doing some good shit. And Ned's like, well, I mean, until the, the guy who's currently doing it retires, like, retires. Listen to me like he's 40. 
Um, until he's actually graduated, then I know that I'm not going to get like all the time. But I mean, it's a team effort. Like he, he gives like the, I'm good 110%. He gives all that line. But anyway, so Nancy's like, but he's he going to be fine out there. And she is not wrong. Anyway, so yeah. So um, finally, it comes down to the day that Nancy is actually going to leave. Oh, oh, side note. So, there's a little boy who lives, like, two doors down from Nancy. Also, side note, apparently her street employs a lot of immigrants. So, she runs up to one house to ask them if they've seen anything about the mailbag. Like, had the mail been delivered? Did they see anybody hanging out around her house? And the person who answers the door is apparently Polish and speaks, like, very little English. And Nancy's like, okay. So, she sees, like, this five-year-old down the street who was just playing in his yard with no supervision. Like, apparently this is a thing in these books where you got just a bunch of toddlers just roaming around the countryside just eating your nuts and berries. So, she sees little Tommy down the street. and She's like, Tommy, Tommy, did you see anybody run up to my house? And he's like, I did. There was this guy in this coat and a hat and he had a car. And Nancy's like, yeah, it, it, do you have any anything attached to this? Like, what time? And he was like, 11 because Nancy had taken a chocolate bar out of her pocket, and she was like, so, uh, okay, and Tommy's like, is that that for me? And Nancy's like, of course it is, honey. Um, You're doing great. You're just, you're just killing it. Um, Do you remember anything else? And he's like, that was a shitty car, and Nancy's like, cool, no colors, okay, cool, light colored, uh, okay, okay, cool, cool, all right. So the the terrible, terrible five-year-old's description matches Edgar. Because, of course, it does. Nancy has exactly one suspect for this, and it's Edgar. And she's like, I think he did it. Because he sounds like he is just not a good person, basically. So the the thing that she's going with is that Edgar, for whatever fucking reason, and she talks to her dad about this, and he's like, maybe they're trying to discredit me because I just got tapped to serve on this committee with the governor. And Nancy's like... Somebody steals a mailbag off your porch. Our mail had already been delivered. Like, maybe it's somebody trying to get back at me. And then she's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's got to be somebody who was out to get Ira for some reason. Like, there's no other explanation. And I was like, or there was something in that mailbag that they wanted to get. Like, and it's possible, based on everything that happens later, that they were trying to intercept the letter that came to Nancy from England. That's possible. Like... But also, that's never, like, that loop is never filled in. That, that's never connected. So, anyway. So, uh, the Nickersons come by, pick up Nancy so they can take her to Emerson. They're in the car for fucking ever. It's the, like, Sunday before Thanksgiving. But they have a good old time. And um, Ned's dad is like, Nancy, if you see me doing some shit wrong, please let me know. I'm, I'm not the best driver. And Nancy's like, internally, I know. Um, but... Anyway, so she's looking at Ned's parents, and they're, apparently they would have had Ned when they were about 20, so approximately the age that Ned is now-ish. No, I think actually about 30. Anyway, so Nancy's not quite sure how old they are, but Nancy sees that Ned's mother is a tiny woman with prematurely white hair and blue eyes, and Ned's father also has blue eyes, and I'm like, okay, blue eyes are recesses, so Ned probably in this series does have blue eyes, which again is inconsistent with the previous book, but whatever the fuck, whatever, it's fine. So anyway, they go, they check in, there's um, Helen, Nancy's excited because they're going to be showing some Shakespearean theatricals. Before she left town to circle back, um, she does actually drop off the $10 with the bitch who she was like, look, I don't know you shit, but I would also like to know about Nancy Smith-Drew, who that's who she finds out is the person in question by the inheritance. 
So she goes by there and she sees that um, the sailor who this woman is married to is there. And he, she's like, so your wife mentioned that maybe she knew another Nancy Drew. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is in New York. We had a boarding house. It was a weird time. And Nancy's like, do you remember anything about her? Like, um, the, and he was like, well, she doesn't live there anymore. Like, we sold the boarding house, and, and she was only there to be, like, a nanny for these children. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, okay, do you remember the name of the family? And he's like, Huckleberry? Or maybe, like, Washington? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've been drinking a lot. And Nancy's like, fuck, like, I can't even do the Poirot thing where I can just, like, connect these two, like, do they both involve fish? Like, fuck. Uh, Those have nothing to do with each other. So Mrs. Sheets shows up, and she's like, I see you brought my money, and Nancy's like, I brought your money, but not because I owe it to you. Can you tell me anything about this Nancy Drew character? And she, again, goes, oh, kids today with all their, like, big pants and skateboards, and Nancy's like, uh-huh, I got I got shit to do. Can you tell me anything about Nancy Drew? And she's like, well, since you gave me the money, the name was Hutchinson. That was the name of the family that had her as, like, a, a nanny for their kids. And this was, like, ten fucking years ago. And Nancy's like, oh, shit. So there's no, uh, again, if you've been a nanny and this was ten years ago, then who, who the fuck knows? So Nancy decides to go to the library and find a New York phone directory so that she can call everybody with the last name of Hutchinson or at least look their names up. And so she she finds their addresses and she narrows it down. And she finally figures out that probably, because it was a wealthy family, probably it's the Hutchinsons who are still like actually like functioning in, in these social circles in New York. And so like she's like, George, you follow the society section. And I'm like, fucking bullshit she does she this is not a thing that is a far more best thing this is again like one of those things where i'm like the ghostwriter for this one was like i can't be bothered best is 100 percent the person who would have been doing this but anyway so george finds this clipping and it says that like the hutchinsons are having a family reunion and it's going to be fantastic and uh it used to be that it was like part of their inheritance that they had to gather at the farmstead every year and sharing the fruits of the labor from the farm. But like where they used to live is now like fucking Central Park shit. And so like they just share in the rents. They just make it rain some money and just pick it up off the floor and just have a good old fucking time. So Nancy's like, okay, so I can just have like a little note put on the board outside there family reunion they're going to have at this hotel and i can say like if any of you know nancy smith drew please contact me here's my information i'm trying to track her down it'll be good because again fuck like she can't she can't text these people she can't email them there's no google there's none of this shit it's just if you happen to run across some shit also hilariously whenever she goes to the post office to write she wants to send a letter to go to the lawyers to let them know that she's going to be looking for nancy smith drew like you can rest easy. I am on this case. Um, the guys, she's like, how long is it going to take to get there? And the guy's like, well, there's a ship leaving tonight. So what we're going to do is run a plane out to the ship. It will drop your letter onto that ship. Once the ship gets like within a day of England, like they will, a plane will come out and it will do like an airlift. So this is like the closest thing that we have to an airlift. But soon though, I think that like we'll have planes going back and forth every day. And Nancy's like, cool. So he's like, it'll take about five days, but I can imagine that like soon you'll be able to mail something and it'll be there the next day. And you're like, he ain't wrong, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. But anyway, so Nancy gets to Emerson. She has found out that um, there will be theatricals. Um, She runs into at the game because I'm going to, I'm going to just say this. 
it's a fantastic game, I'm given to believe, where, like, there's all these things going on, and, and the enemies take the lead early on, and, and then Ned comes in, and his number is 32, for those of you who are interested. Um, and it's it's all very exciting, and Ned actually is involved in, like, the, the shit that actually, like, he, he kicks a field goal. I, I don't know what the fuck's happening. I thought, I thought quarterbacks didn't kick field goals. I don't fucking know. Anyway, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, like, Nancy's there watching him, and she also sees this, like, very snappily dressed young woman who is, like, apparently, like, the girlfriend of the captain of the team who was not the quarterback. I don't fucking care. It's fine. Anyway, so she sees her, and she hears the woman mention Hutchinson, and she's like, shit, Hutchinson, um, hey, so I'm trying to actually track down a family by the name of Hutchinson because they, like, knew this Nancy Drew person, which is also my name. It's a funny story. And the woman who was named Marion is like, Oh my God, yes, she was my nanny, and I loved her, and um, yeah, she went off to college to study Shakespearean acting, and Nancy's like, of course she did, fuck, fuck, okay, okay, cool, and she's like, yeah, we loved her, and we would love to catch up with her, like, but I, I mean, I can ask my dad if he knows anything, and Nancy's like, cool, yeah, please do that. Um, Nancy also, because she's watching Ned, and, like, at the end of the game, like, the author makes a point to tell you that there are people who are so excited by what's happening that they're, like, fucking stomping on their own hats and shit. Like, it's just, it's, it's complete anarchy out there on the field at Emerson. Everything is just ridiculous. Um, and then she hears these two guys arguing because, of course, Nancy is like, I need to know about everything going on around me at all times. She looks over and she sees this guy who matches the description that the five-year-old idiot gave her and is like, could this be him? So she walks up behind him and she taps him on the shoulder and she's like, I'm sorry, um, I'm, I'm looking for Edgar Dixon. And the guy's like, I gotta go by and like runs out of there. It was something about, like, this bet that they were disputing. And Nancy's like, that sounds exactly like the kind of shit that this asshole would pull. Like, I'm feeling good about this. I'm feeling good about this ID. It's cool. So, um, they all, they can't even get out on the fucking field because apparently it has just turned into an orgy out there. And so Nancy looks at Ned's mom and she's like, look, all the guys are down on the, they're on the field just having a good old time, just throwing Gatorade around. It's just, it's just a madhouse. Let's just go back to the hotel and have some tea. And Nancy's like, fuck yeah, let's do that. That they don't go out there to like congratulate Ned or anything because again it's anarchy so it's fine. They go back to the hotel. They have a, a good time. They catch up with Helen. Like all the women go to back to the hotel and they're like, "Cool, y'all just work it out. Like you got hopped up on meth before the game and now you're gonna have to come down." Um, a fucking crowd bearing Ned on their shoulders comes up to the hotel and and Ned's like, "My my mom's in there. Come on, come on." So Ned comes in for tea and um. They're getting completely shit service at the hotel until they were like, uh, waitress, Ned Nickerson's here. And they were like, <gasps> let me bring you everything from the kitchen. So they finally get their tea and then they're to celebrate. They're going to have this big dance. Of course they are. Of course they fucking are. This is the first Emerson dance of the series, which this, the stuff of legend, I tell you the stuff of legend. Anyway, um, so Nancy decides to get dressed up for the party. They're going to watch a Shakespeare play first. And the only antidote to meth is for you to watch Hamlet. Y'all need to know that. No, it's fine. Um, Ned's supposed to be part of it, but he's like, I'm just like murmured voices off screen. Who the fuck cares? I'm going to sit with Nancy. It's fine. So they sit out there and they're watching the play and Nancy's looking at it. And it's just basically like a reduced Shakespeare company where they just do scenes. They're not doing like an actual fucking play. So Nancy's looking at the thing and she sees 
N. Smith Drew listed. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And she looks at Ned and she's like, look, Nancy Smith Drew was apparently like into studying Shakespeare. There's somebody in Smith Drew listed. And Ned's like, you think it's her? And Nancy's like, I mean, it would be a ridiculous coincidence if it were, but yes, we, we love these, we love this shit. And Ned's like, well, I mean, she's not appearing in the place. She's like kind of like helping direct the place. So I guess we might be able to find her backstage. And Nancy's like, yes, yes, let's do that. Let's do that. So as soon as I possibly can, as soon as the play's over, um, Nancy and Marion decide to go find her because Marion's going to recognize her and Nancy can't recognize her on site. She's never seen her before. So they go backstage and they end up like in this hallway that the door shuts behind them and they don't know where the fuck they are and they, they get lost and they're in like the attic area and there's just all the sporting equipment up there and nancy doesn't have a flashlight and she's like after this please believe i shall be carrying a flashlight which again like nancy nancy could pretty consistently throughout the series does carry flashlights but i mean it's fine it's whatever the fuck so they get up there and nancy actually like fucking breaks a window with her shoe to get somebody's attention because she's like we might die here like they're nobody can hear us we're fuck so they break a window and of course it's ned and buck who are down there who are like hey what's going on and nancy's like please come up and open this door and marion who had been like we're gonna die here was like oh my god oh my god y'all it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine oh my god so anyway, they go get cleaned up. They go to their dance, which I wanted to be described in like graphic fucking detail. I wanted Nancy and Ned to be gazing longingly into each other's eyes for every single fucking dance. But that is not what happens. And actually, like, um, while they're stuck in the attic area with all of the scary sports equipment, they look out and they see somebody leave the building and Nancy... Nancy's like, oh my God, who's that? Like, they try to yell for help. And the people don't... They think that they're just yelling, like, partying. And Marion sees him and she's like, oh, that's her. That's her. And she gets into a car with the guy who looks like Edgar. And Nancy's like, fucking hell. Like, uh, and you're like, of course the two mysteries have to connect. That's how this shit works. They ha- it has to connect. So anyway, so Nancy knows that she's in the area and that it's the right person, most likely because everything else matches. But like she was leaving the party at that point. So Nancy's like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to track her down. Shit. Shit. So, I can't exactly remember how the fuck she finds out, but she finds out that um, Edgar is li- was living at a boarding house. Oh, it's because Ira told her. Ira told her earlier in the book. He was like, yeah, he's he's been living in blah, blah, which I can't remember the name of the fucking town. It doesn't matter. So, the next morning, please note that Nancy sleeping in the Omega Chai house, we are told, goes immediately... I think it's actually Kai. It doesn't matter. In my head, it's, it's C-H-I, so I always pronounce it Chai. Um, so, the Omega house. Nancy is sleeping in the Omega house in the bed next to Helen. And I'm like, y'all, Nancy, you need to like wake up at 3 a.m. and be puzzling through this mystery and come downstairs and find that Ned is also awake and eating saltine crackers or something and, and some bonding. But no, that doesn't happen because fuck. Anyway, so the next morning, Nancy looks at Ned's dad and she's like, can can you help me with something and he's like fuck yeah i can and you're like questions like what why mm -hmm." because like i on the one hand i really wanted ned to be involved in this but ned had a lot of shit going on so i mean this is one of the rare books where like nancy goes to emerson and ned does not spend like every fucking second by her side just helping her out with her mystery anyway so she gets uh ned's dad to go with her I think kind of partially is like maybe a chaperone because he's like 
older and has gravitas. Anyway, so she goes to the boarding house, and the guy comes out, and, and she's like, hey, so does Edgar Dixon live here? And he's like, um, actually, he's getting married soon. Like, I'm sure that you're in town for the, because she says that she's like a relative or something. He's like, oh, I'm sure you're in town for the wedding, but um, no, he's he's actually moved. And the wife is like, can you take all this fucking mail? He did not leave a forwarding address, and I've, I've been getting all this mail. Like, he was he was perfect as a, a renter, but he kept getting mail, like, all the fucking time. And you're like, that is actually not that inconvenient, but okay. So, she hands Nancy a stack of mail. Nancy's like, um, I don't, I don't, and she's like, I'm sure you'll take care of it. You're a friend of the family or whatever the fuck. Just, just take it. I don't want to have to deal with it. Nancy's like, uh, oh, okay. So Nancy's like just glancing through the mail and two assholes on a slit. I say assholes. They're like toddlers, seven or whatever the fuck, uh, run into her and knock her the fuck down. And the, the rails on the sled are so fucking sharp that they cut open the fucking mail. Like they run over some of the mail and cut it open. And because I need to remind you, Nancy is a fucking lady, and she ain't gonna open some mail. Like, that is not what she's about. She is not about to open some mail, because that is interfering with the Postal Service and its duties. Also, while she was there, she noticed that the landlord was carrying the identical leather pouch to the one that Ira was carrying that got lost. Which, as a side note, like, a few days later, everybody on the route got the mail that was lost. Like, it had been put back in the mail, and the bag was still missing, and as far as they knew, all the mail got sent out, but... And Nancy was like, this just keeps getting weirder, like... And even the $10 that Mrs. Sheets was supposed to get in the mail, like, a legit fucking $10 bill, um, arrived. And so Mrs. Sheets actually, Mrs. Sheets actually comes back by Nancy's house and is like, look, take your fucking money, because I got, I got the money that I was supposed to get from my sister-in-law, and I ain't here for charity. And Nancy's like, sure you ain't, sure. Like, she's just being an abusive bitch. And so, like, Nancy hands her the money, and the woman just throws it on the fucking floor, and is like, you take your damn money. And Nancy's like, okay. And she actually contributes it to Ira Dixon's retirement um, present, like, a page later. But anyway. Um, so, the mail is open that Nancy has just received from this harried landlady. And so, Nancy's like, well, uh, some of the letters came out, and I need to put them back in the envelopes, and, and I need to not look at this because I'm a lady. So, she's sitting in the back of the car, and she's actually, like, twisted her ankle just a little bit due to the sled incident. And so, she's looking through, and she's like there's, there's like fucking $1 bills in here. Fuck. I guess I better read a letter just to like, if it said like $2 are enclosed, I need to make sure there's $2 in there or whatever. So she looks through and it's like, thank you, Lonely Hearts Friendship Club for connecting me with the wonderful Sonora Joe who is going through some shit and I wanted to send him a dollar to help him out. And again, we're talking 1932 money. So if you send somebody a dollar, that's like not an inconsiderate, that's that's a some money. Somebody else writes a letter because Nancy's like, well, fuck. At this point, it just starts reading other letters, and one of them says, "I really want to send him ten dollars." And you're like, um, shit, like shit. All of these letters are going to Edgar Dixon, and Nancy's like, that asshole has been scamming people. Like he he tells them that there's this. It's like he's running a fucking GoFundMe for some people who don't fucking exist, and he's just hit up like liberal Twitter. So she's got all this money. She shows it to Ned's dad, and she's like, look, like, am I wrong here? And Ned's dad's like, no, he's an asshole. Like, this is clearly, he's he's doing some shit. Like, no, the, this, ain't, this ain't chill. This ain't chill. So they go back, and they have lunch with Ned, and Ned and Nancy are looking at each other, and Ned's like, so you went off with my dad this morning. And Nancy's like, yeah, it, he, did, he did great. It was, it was fine. Um, 
He, he's just doing real good with this mystery. And Ned's clearly jealous of the fact that Nancy's been off with his dad or whatever. But it, it's cute, though. And so Nancy's like, can we go by... I can't even remember who the fuck's house we're going to go visit. I think that... Oh, Nancy found out where she thinks Nancy Drew... Nancy Smith Drew is staying. So she wants to go by there to see if she's actually there. She's She thinks she's at this one particular, like, boarding house that's nearby. Because she asked somebody else who was involved with the play. So she asked Ned if he will take her there. Because we would like y'all to spend some time together. Nancy ends up sledding down a fucking hill because, like, she's like, I don't know if I can walk. And Ned's like, well, shit. Like, she's like, I did not dress for, like, galomping around in the snow. And Ned's like, you can borrow my boots. And then somebody on a sled passes by and they're like, we are not going to let a lady have an injured ankle and walk around here. So let's just drag you around on a sled like the royalty that you are. So she <laughs> she has these guys who are pulling around on a sled. So they deliver her to the boarding house. Um but they're not there. But the boarding house lady's like, oh, the wedding. Yes, they're they're out prepping for their wedding. She's going to go get her coat altered or whatever the fuck, and she'll be back later. And Nancy's like, okay, uh, okay. Because, again, she's like, Edgar is with her, and Nancy, since Edgar may know who she is, she doesn't want Edgar to necessarily see her in any way. So she's, she's got to track her down. Uh, Ned's parents were planning to leave the next day, and Nancy's like, um, can we just wait long enough for me to connect with this girl? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Because it, it started to snow. It's just like a fucking ridiculous snowstorm that's happening. Um, so they're going to be snowed in on their hotel anyway. And actually Carson Drew was on his way into town and he's like, yeah, it's a fucking huge snowstorm. I've, I've got to get some stuff from a law library that's like right down the road. So it's fine. Um, so at the hotel where they're staying, Nancy, yeah, because Nancy ends up at the hotel for whatever the fuck reason. Um, she's like, yeah, let's let's have a fucking costume party. And everybody's like, fuck yeah, instead of this turning into, like, the fucking Shining. Like, she's like, yeah, we'll have a costume party. It'll be great. And the the trick is that you can only use stuff you have with you, and you cannot use bed sheets and, and towels because else everybody's just going to turn into a fucking toga party, and I want y'all to be a little bit more inventive. So Marion's like... Nancy's like running out doing errands all the time and Marion's like who Nancy is apparently sharing a room with but it it doesn't fucking matter um Marion's like yeah I'm gonna be a Hindu princess because sure I what again we're talking like a time where it would have been like exotic like they wouldn't have necessarily there would have been a lot of exoticness and a lot of otherness and a lot of like they were still under British rule and shit and anyway, so you're like, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit icky about this, but it's fine. And Nancy's like, oh, that's perfect. I'll be a Hindu prince. It'll be fine. And you're like, Nancy, no, like literally you can, you can be anyone. You can be Mary Antoinette. You can fuck George Washington. I don't know. It's fine. Um, the descriptions of the party though are hilarious. They're brief, but like one guy apparently takes advantage of his small stature and borrows a French maid uniform. And I'm like, I love that y'all are just casually talking about a, a guy dressing up in women's clothes. And it's actually not presented as something that's, like, jokey. It's just like, oh, that's inventive. You're doing some good shit. But somebody legit comes to the party in blackface. And it's just, like, casually mentioned, like, oh, and somebody also showed up in blackface. And Nancy darkened her eyebrows to appear more like a Hindu person. And you're like, shit, y'all really, like... Anyway, and so Nancy wins for, like, most inventive costume. And this bitch who actually, like, took some scissors to one of her party gowns so that she could be Cinderella was like, um, she is clearly wearing sheets, and she is the one who made up the rule about sheets, so I think she should be disqualified. And Marion's like, I can tell you that this was from her pre-existing wardrobe. Like, she's just cool that way. She's just, she's just rocking it. 
Then Nancy sees Edgar, and she's like, and also, this is after she's been like, Ned, can you please carry this five-pound box of chocolates that I've been awarded? And Ned's like, you know I will, girl. If you want me to dress up in feathers and play a bagpipe up and down the street, I'm here for you. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, that is legit what he says to her. So many questions. Anyway, why why was the bagpipe involved? It's fine. Anyway, so um, Nancy sees Edgar, and so she, like, runs out into the street, and she's like, fuck, because she sees the car that he was described as driving, and she can't, she can't find him. I'm like, honey, you're running. You're, what? He's in a car, and she's like, well, fuck, I know he's in town, and I know that he's nearby. Uh, shit. Shit. Anyway, the next morning, like, they still can't leave town. Everything is just a nightmare. So Nancy goes into town. Um, she's gotten a letter from the lawyers who I, I guess enough time has passed for them to reply to her. Maybe they sent a telegram. I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. Anyway, so they're like, hey, it would be great. Um, yeah, please, please help track her down. If you find any clues, let us know. Um, I think her dad actually brought it to her because, of course, he was passing by to go visit a local law library for reasons. Um, so Nancy goes to the hotel. She... she is like eavesdropping a little like casually and she sees that nancy drew smith nancy smith drew and edgar are talking and he's like well i know that this isn't the wedding you wanted but i mean we need to we need to leave on this this boat that's gonna go and um i'm just i'm gonna go take care of some last minute things and the other nancy is like well let me just hold on to the tickets and she's clearly like upset about all this and this is not what she wanted and and so Edgar, like, dashes out, like, cackling maniacally to himself. And Nancy's like, fuck this shit. So she goes up to Nancy Smith-Drew's room, and she's like... And she hears the the girl, like, sobbing. I say girl. Like, she would be legit, like, 10 years older than Nancy. But anyway. So Nancy goes into her room, and she touches her on the shoulder, and she's like, I've, I've got some good news and some bad news. And the woman's like, what the fuck are you doing in my hotel room? Which is exactly the right way to respond to that. Like, Nancy did not even knock. She just walked in, and she was like, I got some shit to tell you. So Nancy starts off with like, um, so first off, um, you've inherited like a million dollars. And Nancy Smith was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Nancy's like, look, you got some relatives in England. Here's a telegram. I've got Ned Nickerson downstairs. Like, you know him. And she's like, I do know him. Like, he is the quarterback who won that fucking game. So if he's here with you and he's saying that you're legit, then you're fucking legit. And I love that it's like not even her dad. It's like, because I've got this hottie quarterback at my side. And she's like you're not wrong. Um, she says, but the bad news is that I'm pretty sure that the guy that you are apparently engaged to is like a complete asshole. Like I found all this money and he's been doing this scam. And, and I think that he stole his brother's mailbag for undisclosed reasons. Like no one the fuck knows. It's fine. And so she tells her all the evidence and Nancy Smith was like, you're, I don't want to say this, but you're making a lot of sense. Like he, he's been doing some shady shit. All right, all right. I've I've got the tickets. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to England. It's gonna be fabulous. Let's let's do this. And Nancy's like, cool. Let's pack up all your shit before he gets back. So they pack up all of her shit, take her out to the steamboat, get her on. She's like, okay, can I just redeem this ticket? And they're like, yeah, you're fine. And and the woman's like, thank you, thank you for doing this. Like I I wouldn't I I would have married this asshole. So props, props to you. And um. So they're saying goodbye to her and they're leaving the ship, Nancy and Ned are. When um, Edgar Dixon runs his happy little ass up there, like, by the way, I, I just want to say this. Throughout the, this book, he has been wearing a gray hat, a yellow overcoat, and he's got a sharp nose and black hair. And I'm like, 
if he loses two of those four things, I will not know who the fuck he is. Like, those are, those are his descriptors for the entire book. Apparently, that is the one coat he has, and he wants you to know that he is rocking a canary yellow coat at all times. So, anyway, so he's like, I've got tickets. My, my fiancé's on board. I've got tickets. Because, of course, they were in separate staterooms because this is 1932 and a children's book. They were not going to be sharing a stateroom. Anyway, so he's like, I've got tickets. I'm supposed to be up there. And Ned's like, fuck this shit. And he, like, fucking tackles Edgar so that Edgar cannot get on board the boat and try to beg his case to his fiancé. So, um, he's laying in the dirt and, and the Secret Service guys run up and they're like, we've been looking for your ass. And you're like, Yeah. And so Nancy's like, yeah, this is him. This is him. And also mail fraud. Like, let me hand you these letters. And so Edgar's looking around. He's like, you can't put anything on me. No, 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 no. And Nancy's like, this is, no, you did all this, you bitch. And so like he, Edgar, gets out of his coat, which of course that's what the cops are holding because of course. And he jumps into the water and Nancy's like, fuck, the water is fucking cold. Like, I don't want him to die this way. I want him to be thrown. I want that ass to be thrown in jail. So they look around, but they can't find him. And my favorite part of the end of this book is that they're like, and he was never heard from again. And you're like, did he die in, in the river? Um, did he go scam some other people? Cause what? <laughs> is he like Michael fucking Myers? And he's going to pop up in a future book with a knife and a Captain Kirk mask. Like what is going to happen here? Anyway, so he was never heard from again. Fuck all y'all. I'm gone. Um, Ira, because it does like this little fast forward flashback thing at the end of the book where it's like, and Ira got his pension, like he was reinstated and because all the mail had gone out and they, they saw what happened and like everybody's doing great. Um, so why the fuck other than just to fuck with him would Edgar have stolen the mailbag? Like if Ira, Ira wouldn't have told Edgar anything because that's not the kind of relationship they had. So did Edgar find out that Nancy Smith Drew was supposed to get an inheritance, but he didn't want her to know and he wanted to marry her and then claim the inheritance on her behalf and then take the money because that makes a lot of sense. Like within the logic of these books, that makes a lot of sense, but it's never shown that way. Like it's never shown as, oh, this was his master grand plan all along. This is exactly what he wanted to do. There was none of that. So I... I don't fucking know, like, just to fuck with him, just to, like, rattle him and make, because then if he doesn't have his pension, he's going to be even more dependent on this inheritance that Ira wants him, Ira is saying that Edgar wants him to split with him, so it's just like, you're making a lot of bad, weird decisions, but, I mean, you're a villain in a children's book, so that's all you can do, really. Okay, so I'm not sure what book we're going to pick up with next, because let's be honest here, due to the podcast and due to my own interest, if a book don't got net in it, we ain't going to read it, but I'm definitely going to be doing the secret in the old attic because of reasons, because, oh my God, like there, there's a lot of Nancy Ned to unpack in that book. Like in this book, I liked that they went to the dance together. Like, yes, I liked that she was sleeping in his fraternity house with no parents. I was like, yes, this is perfect. I wish y'all had spent a lot more time together. And also, of course, she gets to see him make like the winning touchdown and he's like glowing with pride and everything. And I was like, yes, yes to all this. I I wish that like she had driven up there by herself, that like they had just managed to wander into each other and maybe gotten real cold and had to cuddle in a bed together. I don't know. It's fine. But yeah, so we're going to pick up with another mystery story that involves Ned. I've got to figure out which one that is, though. All right. I will catch up with you next time.